Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Kelly dominated high school football in Arkansas, winning nine state titles in 18 years at Pulaski Academy. He's now turning his attention to dominating the airwaves on the zone. He's brought to you by the Little Rock Athletic Club, who's currently building a state-of-the-art indoor pickleball facility. Little Rock Athletic Club, no contracts, and save 30% off joining fees. Hi, Coach. How are you? Fantastic. Are you? Yeah. Good. It's great to see you. And I'm really not fantastic. Okay, tell me why. Well, because I, I hate it when we don't have Arkansas football for the week. It's not as much fun just to talk. Oh, it hasn't town. been that much fun when I they like, did have it. i, like I got to be honest. <laughs> yeah, ah, It's fun. Good or bad, it's always fun just to talk it. It is. Yeah, there's, there's different, a lo- different views on it. Well, there's a lot of things to talk about when they're not playing this week and next week now that they fired Dan Enos. And i got to tell you, from our, our perspective, best thing that could have happened. Because all we would have been doing was fielding fire Eno's calls all week long this week. That's true. But and instead, fire Pittman calls. Right, but he's already been canned. So now it's like, why kick the dead? Would you have fired him? Uh, I don't know if I would have fired him at this point in the season, but if he was not doing what I asked him to do, which was get his butt out of the pocket and hurry up on the on offense a little bit more. And we don't and, know if that was being asked. No, it was basically suggested by Sam that he talked to him about getting him out of the pocket. Okay. And he said he wanted 8 to 10 pocket passes, and he said that wasn't happening. At 28 against Mississippi State. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, you know, if you're being in, I mean, that's insubordinate right. on some level. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, he deserved to be fired for that. Now, I would have fired him. You misspoke. I mean, you, I mean, you know, you've got a stupidity. job to do. If you, you got a job to do. If you're not getting it done, the job is put out on offense. Unless Sam was interfering with that, and I have no evidence to say that he was. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, then then I'd say, yeah. You, you hire good people, people, you let them do their job. You know, I go back yeah. to, like, the Gus Malzahn thing. I don't think that um, – who was the coach at, at uh, Auburn when they won? Gene Chizik. I don't think Gene Chizik was going, hey, Gus. I mean, in this situation, I really think we ought to go like uh, – I mean, I think he kind of let Gus run the offense. And guess what? They won a national title. So it all worked out okay. Well, with some, there are, though. You know, some yeah. coaches do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oversee it a little much. Mm-hmm. You know, and it can be good or it can be detrimental. But you need to be able to. For instance – you know, people go, well, hire a good guy and let him do his job. Sometimes when you're in the middle of your job, you can't see that you're not doing as good as you could be, and someone on the outside can. That's what the head guy's job is, to go in and guide. Not to say, hey, run this play here every time. Right. But to say, hey, here's what we're seeing, da 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 sure. which it sounds like Sam did that. Right. And if he did and the guy doesn't do it, then whatever. What kind of shot do you give Kenny Guyton to somehow get this offense a little more efficient in a couple of weeks' time? Uh, You know, I thought about that. It's I think the first week we'll see a spark. I think what's happening up here, I think they're putting in some of uh, the last year's playbook, Browse playbook, because Guyton was with him, understands that a little better. They're going to try to key on those. You'll see a spark if if the players didn't approve of what, not, not Enos as a person or as a coach, but if they thought they weren't going anywhere, mm-hmm. you'll see a spark. They'll play a little harder. They'll do this. Uh, if Guyton remotely knows what he's doing. Now, in my uh, research on him, he's never called a play before. It looks easy. We all sit in the stands and think we can call plays. Mm-mm. When you got a play and you've ran a play and it, you find out, okay, now it's second and eight and the clock's ticking and you got to call a formation, get your personnel in there, call a, a, an offensive play that matches the weakness of the defense that you predict you're going to see because now it's second down, not the last play. It's really difficult to do. That's why I think there's only a handful of really good play callers in America right now. I OC'd for a powder puff game a couple of years in the Buzz Bowl. It was hard as crap. I cannot imagine doing it at the collegiate level. Matt Rule made an interesting point yesterday. We don't have the soundbite because I didn't ask for it. And I didn't see it, actually, in our prep. But 
Um, he was talking about how in the NFL you got communication, and he's talked about co- and even in high school. He said in some situations, I don't know if every state has that, but the opportunity to communicate. Why don't they have that at the collegiate level? Why don't they mirror what the NFL is doing? It makes it so much easier. You know, I, I think that's a straight. They're not wanting to spend the money on it. Perspective. Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of the capacity to do it. But in this world of college football, that makes bukus of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a hundred thousand bucks, you could probably put it in your stadium. And it's easy for Arkansas to do, but is it easy for, you know, Kent State to do? Sure. You know, I don't know. So I think it's more along that kind of thing. Makes sense. But he was talking about how you don't have to, you wouldn't have to hold the ball. But he was talking generally. He was talking about the the sign stealing deal mm-hmm. with Michigan. Yeah, yeah. That that, it, it, it eliminates almost all of that. Yeah. You know, and and you still need to be able to do some of it, but uh, to 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 change last second because in the NFL, once fifteen seconds hits on the play clock, there's no more communication. Mm. And 15 is the magic number. Well, if you want to play, change the play after that, you've still got to signal it in. Hmm. And some coaches do. Some guys go, well, at that point, we're letting our quarterback take over, and he can change it if he wants to. That way the OC can't go, hey, look out behind you. There's a guy chasing you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit. Or look at the Y. It's wide open. You know, throw, fi- it. throw it. 15 seems early to me. I wish they would go down to five. Now, you don't want to be talking at five. Then the guy's got to get in the cadence or whatever. But at least that's on the team then. Mm-hmm. But I wish they would go down a little further. Now, obviously not during the play. But, right. But, but, but seven seconds, something like that. I think that would be better because sometimes in the NFL we know this. You throw a long pass down the field. They're running down through there. The crowd's going nuts. You're trying to talk to your guy. He's chugging down there, breathing heavy, and you can. he's listening to you. I bet it's tough to communicate with them in certain situations and plays that happen. Do they monitor it or do they somehow shut it down? Is there like a – it clips it No, off? it's an it's an automatic clip off. I mean, the NFL turns it off. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Oh, yeah, the NFL shuts it's it off. It's not like you'd be like, I'm going to take a shot here. I'm just going to try, right, it's I'm gonna try to cheat on this to, one. It's hooked up to the clock, the play clock in the stadium. Interesting. 15, beep, silence. That's wild. Knowing a college athlete's mentality, uh, knowing how much you get to practice, what can Arkansas do in the, the bye week, the next two weeks to – uh, implement some new things or just just improve you know uh there's a lot of good coaches that take the bye week and completely go back to the foundation of of what they need fundamentally you know if we're not tackling well by gosh we are heavy emphasizing tackling this week mm-hmm. if we're not you know pass blocking well we're going to do that if our quarterback's not reading well we're going to f- really emphasize the the just the bare nuggets of that and I think they'll do some of that. I think they need to take a hard look at their team and go, okay, where are we as a group together, as the spirit of the squad? I mean, now with the portal, it's easy for kids to go, okay, I got three weeks less left of this, and I'm going to be out of here anyway. Well, you know you're not. You know, it's like if we all quit our jobs tomorrow and, and, our, and we go, we got, we're putting, giving you two weeks' notice. Are we really as good those last two weeks? We would like to think that we are, uh-huh. but we're really not. We're not all in then because we're halfway out. Mm-hmm. And I think they need to look and reassess, and that, that's where the psychology of being a coach comes in, and it's more important than people realize. You go, guys, some of you are going to leave. We know just by numbers alone. We don't want you to or we don't think you are, but we know that's going to happen. But you could really help yourself and us by doing two things. One, showing what kind of integrity you have. We gave you a scholarship. You've been playing for Arkansas. You finish strong with this team. You go all the freak in with these last how many ever weeks we've got and finish up. And two, that's going to in turn do two things. One, it's going to show better film if you are trying to leave. And two, if a coach calls me and asks you, I'm going to say, hey, I don't want to lose the kid. But, man, he played to the bitter end all he had. You've got to find ways to incentivize these guys to come together and finish out really, really strong. Because it's not looking like we're finishing strong right now. Did Sam Pittman reach out to you? 
No. If he had and you accepted and you had the opportunity to go up there and take over the play calling, what would be your first few things you would do? The first few things I would do was I would say, number one, guys, this is not on y'all. This is on the coaching staff. And I would say from this point on, if it doesn't go well, it's on me. Now, what you're doing is you're taking the emphasis. Right now, I know from talking to a couple kids up there that they're passing around blame. The kids are to each other. Some people are pointing to the offensive line. Some people are pointing to the quarterback. Some people, you know, that's na- mm-hmm. it's, it's human nature, but you've got to suck it out as a coach. And the other thing I would say is I, I, I would do is we would focus. I would focus the first thing you have to you have to be able to throw the ball, and to do that you've got to educate your quarterback on how to get the ball sooner, and that's pre-snap reads and keys on the defense and matching up. You know, make him understand we are running this play because they're in this, and this is probably what's going to happen. And educate him on how to get the ball out faster because then you don't have to block as long. And if you can throw the ball then obviously the running game opens up more. And if you can throw the ball, then that you can throw it to all parts of the field. That really helps you in so many other areas. And it keeps your defense off field, who's been doing really well for us. Our defense has been standing out there forever. Mm-hmm. And they gave up seven points. We'll take that, right? right. Every freaking week we'll take that. And uh, but, but I think you've got to go up there and just start all over with them and say, guys, I don't mean start all over in everything football, but I mean mentally with them and go, look, let's start from zero right here. Can you do that in two weeks? Two weeks, you can because you could, you could, you could certainly. It, it would take two days, in my opinion, to make, to teach KJ to get the ball out sooner. The importance of why the kids have to know why nowadays. You know, remember when we were a little kid, you asked your mom why because I said so. Right. You can't do that with kids anymore. Even me, and I'm as I'm, I'm as bad as it's ever been about that. But I, I I switched it around a long time ago, in 2009. I switched around and told our coach, if a kid ever asked you why, you need to be able to tell them why. Now, we'll teach them not to ask why in the middle of a game when the play's going on. I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. But if they ask why, you need to know why. Because if they understand why, they'll be like, okay, okay, as long as you've got a good reason, they'll go dive all in and sure. go 100,000 miles an hour. But if they, don't, if they think you don't know why, or if they don't know why and just haven't asked yet, then they don't go as all in. Because in their mind, there's a lot of things. Well, what if we were doing this? What if we were doing this? And you don't play as hard. You don't commit as much. Does Arkansas have the personnel to win two games? Gosh, yes. Okay. They've got the personnel to win all their games left. Hmm. I mean, I really think. Now, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But personnel-wise, has our defense shown that we can – if we can hold Mississippi State to seven, and I know they had a backup quarterback and all that, but if we can play that well, can we hold everybody else to 28? Yeah. And I think we've got the personnel on offense. I like our receivers. We're not utilizing them well, but we're also not utilizing the middle of the field. And we're not doing all we could with K.J. In our running game, I don't think we're running the right kind of running plays. I personally, that's just an opinion – don't think we're running the right kind of running plays, but we've got the personnel to score 28 points every game the rest of the year. You're a great play caller. Here's why I didn't understand Saturday. Linebackers were blitzing just about every play. Right. That creates an open in the middle where the linebackers were. Right. Why weren't they running those big wide receivers, big bodied wide receivers? I think Michael Irvin back in the heyday. How many times? Just over the middle. Yeah. Safety would come up and hit him, but Michael was big, make the catch, first down, break a tackle, and take off running. And that's why. Why wasn't that being used? That's why the defenses are doing that because we are not doing that. We're not countering it. So they have no. I'm asking. It's almost we're taking the risk out for them. Mm -hmm. It's all reward for them. There's no risk because we're not going to throw it over the middle. And why are we not doing it? It, it, it? It's hard. It's either, one, we don't trust our quarterback to do so, or two, we've just we've got caught up in all the other emotion of everything and we're not thinking of it. 
And now, and, and I mean, I, I say that some coaches hate throwing over the middle between the numbers, between the hashes. Jalen Hurts, his first year starting quarterback for the Eagles, he threw exactly nine percent of his passes, nine between the numbers, not the hashes, the That's numbers. They didn't trust him to throw it across the middle yet because you're afraid you throw it a little behind, it's reach back, tip, pick, that kind of stuff. But there comes a point, even if you don't believe it, I mean, if you look at your offense and go, we scored three. Mm-hmm. People are blitzing us. They're killing us. Our line, I mean, they're killing us. We've got to be able to utilize the other part of the field and try to take a chance because we're, no, we're at no risk now. Right. What's our risk? Losing? We're already doing that. So, But I think sometimes as a coach you get caught up thinking, my guys can't do that very well. We're not going to do that. And then when they're doing something where you have to do that, you're still just – you forgot. You've eliminated that from your thought process. Here's what's irritated me too. And I'm like, you're right. I mean, I understand what you're saying. Maybe they feel the same way about KJ. But I'm like, right hash to left sideline is A, a long throw. B, they had the outside covered on all over the field. And they kept going to it. And I was like, that's a hard throw. That's a low ri- or high-risk, low-reward play anyway. And you keep throwing them out there. It's so annoying. It was so frustrating. Yeah, I think if he's in the shotgun, he's five yards back, and you throw a ball into the dead middle of the field that's 15 yards down the field. It's a 20-yard air pass from his hand to that receiver if you throw it down the middle of the field. Take it from the right hash and throw it to the left sideline, a 15-yard out route, you know, or a curl, a deep comeback or a curl over there. Now you're taking what was a 15-yard or 20-yard air Mm -hmm. throw, and you're making that thing about 36 yards. It's almost double, and you're like, what are we? The ball's in the air too long. Defensive backs are fast. Even if they're two steps behind, they've got time to catch up now because the ball's in the air so long. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, it's problematic. And the, the rules of the game dictate now that you should throw it over the middle. They can't even kill the guy. In the past, they didn't do it, not because they didn't think they could. We don't want to kill our guy. Safety's going to come across the middle and take his head off. You can't even do that anymore. Guys are apprehensive about delivering a blow to those guys. It's the best time in the history of football to throw the ball between the hashes and make yards because guys can't even do anything about it. And now with the addition, I can't believe out of the RPOs that Arkansas has ran over the last three years that we don't have several RPOs, play side linebacker, you stick it in the belly of the back. If he comes down, you pull it and throw the slant. I mean, Where's that at? Right. I don't even like RPOs not have that in. Yeah. And uh, so, I, but I just think you get caught up and forget about it. Let me shift gears for you for a minute. I had this question for Coach Conk yesterday, and he left before I got a chance to ask it. I want to ask you about Iowa real quick. Iowa's so confounding. It has been for a couple, three, four, five years. I mean, they play elite defense. They're eighth in the country, I think, in scoring defense this year. And they don't win at a high level because their offense is so putrid. The question I have is, how can their defense be so good consistently, knowing they're living on the field, because there's a lot of three and outs for that offense, and how does nobody figure out what Iowa does schematically where somebody can – I mean, they may give up one game like where they give up 40 points, but generally speaking, like they're pretty consistent. They're giving up almost nothing. How, do, how does that happen? Okay, well, number one, who's Iowa playing that you would consider an offensive force? Michigan, Ohio State, teams like that. Okay. But, I mean, they haven't played them this year. But, I mean, when yeah. they do, they've maybe had some issues. But I'm like, still, it's still impressive. Okay, uh, and <laughs> oddly enough, Coach Ference, the head coach at Iowa, is good friends with Coach Belichick. Okay. So I've sat in rooms with Coach Ferentz before with Coach Belichick. They're both extremely defensive-minded. Now, the difference is, and it's hard to tell some years, but Coach Belichick has taken the approach that we've got to find a way to win however we have to win. We like to start that with defense, but if we have to win on offense, we want to be able to win on offense. Some really good defensive coaches, and Coach Ferentz is a good defensive coach, mm-hmm. obviously, they are so conservative off offense that they don't even think let's win it on defense. They think let's not lose it on offense. And he's still stuck in that mode 
in my estimation. But if you what they the re, part of the reason their defense looks so good, go look at a possession where USC or Oklahoma, currently Oklahoma or somebody like that is in a game and look at how many possessions they have in a game. Because of the throwing and the incomplete passes and the fast offense, you know, you might have 16 possessions a game in their games. 14 to 16. If you're playing Iowa, because they when they do throw a pass, it's three yards incomplete, and because they run the ball so much, and they can just make a first down enough to run the clock, then you're going to look, and in that game, instead of 14 to 16, you might have 10 to 12 possessions. Mm-hmm. So right then, if you're giving up two points a possession, they're giving up 20 points. And if you're, But if you're in an Oklahoma game and your same defense is giving up two points, they're giving up 28, and everybody's like, look, Iowa's eight points better on defense. No, they're not. It's points per possession mm. that matter, not points per game. That's a good point. I saw a stat yesterday, and it was talking about the NFL and how scoring is down and, and sacks are up. <clears throat> and then it showed uh, the, the number of sacks compared to other years and how much it's up. But it also showed the uh, chances of scoring, the rate of scoring when you have a sack in an NFL game on a possession, and the points per possession if there's a sack versus not a sack. It's incredible. It just shows you the emphasis. That's why you need to get to the quarterback and put pressure on the quarterback and sack the quarterback. Yeah, and that's why the offensive left tackle was the second highest paid position. You know, it was because he he stops the backside rush or the blindside the quarterback can't see. But you know, that's what I, I think I'd said it on here before. I studied our possessions like the last four years I was at PA, and we scored a touchdown eighty eight percent of the time, which is ungodly. I mean, it's just a phenomenal amount of times. Unless we had a sack. If we had a sack, we scored 8%. Hmm. 8. Hmm. It went from 88 to 8. So that's like you're taking a math test. I'm like, you know, if, if Wes is drinking water, he scores an 88. But if Wes is drinking a Pepsi, he scores 8. What are we, you know, what are you going to avoid? We're going to avoid Pepsis. What but it's not just avoiding the sack. Because some coaches go, some coaches will hear what you just said, mm-hmm. and they'll be like, okay, we can't throw the ball as much. Because yeah. if you get a sack. Or they'll go, we got to throw all quick passes. It's not that. You still have to be able to – the other the, the one that wins more than sacks, 77% of all teams in college football win if they have more sacks. 77. If you just have more sacks than they had, you win the game. Period. That's a phenomenal number. So I'm like, okay, we got to blitz. we got to get on the edge. we got to scheme up these blitzes. we got to do all these things. And on offense, though, you can't just go, we're not going to throw because 81% of all games are won by who has more 20-yard plays. Well, you get most of those in the passing game. So it's, it's a combo of, yes, we have to – sack the other team's quarterback but we're on offense we can't just say we're not going to throw the ball down the field or we're not going to do this you have to educate your quarterback on how to get rid of the ball sooner on those plays to still have a chance at those plays and that's what matters the most but but that's why everybody that's why there's a whole new thing when the nfl draft comes they have defensive players they have offensive players running backs now they've got that edge. Yeah. They edge. They've created, because of the sack's importance, a whole new position has been created, basically, because of that. Coach, real quick, minute or less, please, if you can. North Little Rock Mike, about what wide receiver spacing and route concepts. Why does it look so bad with players running into each other? What's going on there? I, I just think that's the teaching of the routes and why. The why. You know, most of the time in a zone, you're running to a zone. But, but if you really teach spacing and, like, like everything we did at PA, if we wanted to run a horizontal post concept on a safety, I go, look, your your landmark is five yards on the inside of the safety, yours is five yards on the outside of the safety. So if the safety moves on the snap of the ball, we adjust our routes. A lot of coaches don't like post-snap adjustment of routes. It's too hard. Or the quarterback won't know where they are. Tell them to look up and see where the freaky's going and throw him the ball. I mean, I'm training kids last night, and I'm like, don't throw it to where you think he should be. You have to throw it to where he's going. 
we have to trust that he sees the safety move or the linebacker move, and he's adjusting his route away from that guy. And we're not. I think you've got to really teach that, and it's tough if you teach. And Bobby Petrino is kind of the antithesis of this. He teaches a lot of five-step slant. And five-step slant, he wants you to hit at 45. Well, even he's adjusted a little bit because he used to never deviate so the quarterback knew where you were. But now he's like, God, people are moving so much on defense, you can't just run a five-step slant. People pick that up. They drop the linebacker right there. You can't have quarterback your third-step hits and throw. So we've got to do it based on the education of, of what the defense is doing. More than a minute, but it was a good God, answer. So I'm very complete. That was very Talking good. Fast. That was good work. Uh, we got to hit a break. We come back. Michael Felder will join us on the other side. And we've got Coach Kelly hanging with us for a while. We've got a What the Hell segment later on. We're going to give you a bad boy segment. How's the What the Hell segment? Um, One to ten. Quick. Six and a half. Uh, I'm already. Ruined my day already. Me too. Uh, we're going to talk about Greenwood and PA, too, before you get out of here. Got to get your thoughts on that one. That's a PA this week, yeah? It is. Big game. Let me zip over there. Should I skip Maddox's game for that? No. Okay. But Maddox is a BO. Who are they playing? They are playing against um, Greenbrier. Oh, yeah. You, you, can, you can come watch the part Maddox plays in. I mean, come watch the other part of the Greenwood PA game. You can watch the beginning of that and then the yeah. end of his game. There okay. you go. Yeah, there you go. I'm stream it. That's fine. You guys have a stream, right? Don't you have a stream? Yeah. You got a stream. Yeah, I'll watch oh, your stream. Watch your stream. I'll be on the live stream this week. PA I'm Live. The, I'm, the color, I'm the color guy this week. PA Live on uh, YouTube. Okay.